Welcome to Legacy Game Changer. Our mission is to help you make, save, and grow your income. I'm your host, Vanetta Rogers, accountant, tax preparer, certified money coach, insurance agent, and travel agent. Today, our guest is Catherine Bell, and she and I will be talking about real estate investment and financial literacy. Catherine Bell has mentored thousands of people in North America as a former founder, CEO, and manager director of a real estate investment hedge fund. She has worked with buy and hold investors, Airbnb investors, builders and developers, and so much more. Welcome to the show, Catherine. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. You have the podcast about my favorite conversation, which is personal and family finance. So this is exciting. Yeah. So can you give them a little bit more of your background? Yeah, absolutely. I um I'm actually Canadian and I immigrated uh, to the U.S. back in 2001 uh, after I married my husband, my late husband, and uh, we took his dream. My first um, company here in in, uh, the U.S. took his dream and we turned it into a multi-million dollar company and later sold it and got into real estate investing and uh, we did buy and hold, ended up moving from California to Arizona, and we did about 500 fix and flips. Um, I started my own hedge fund, and uh, we had several Airbnb portfolios, and um, now we pretty much focus on just being the bank. Um, So we uh, collapse timelines and add commas to our investors' bank accounts. Um, on the side of that, because I love numbers so much, uh, I created a fa- um, fi- family financial mastermind where um, our entire family's been doing it for several years, teaching them how to add commas to their bank accounts while we strengthen our relationships with each other. Um, then that was all based on my teenagers um, not learning financial literacy in school. Um, because it's just not taught in school. And so um, out of the family mastermind, um, I'm actually on a board of directors of another nonprofit where we are in the middle of uh, getting ready to implement an actual financial um, education class into every single high school across the United States. So we've been having a lot of fun doing all that as well. How how soon should we start talking about you're teaching our kids about finance. At what age do you think we should start? I actually started teaching my kiddos. I adopted twins when they were babies, and I started teaching them when they were about five, six years old. Um, they're 17, and they're getting ready to go out into the world. And so I just started teaching them right out of the gate. And some really simple principles that we have taught them, and this comes from um, several of our friends who are um, multimillionaires and a couple billionaires, And we all teach our kids the same things. And what it is, is um, really simple concepts. For every dollar that they earn, um, 10 10 cents would go to charity of their choice, be it church or some Mm -hmm. other charity that they want to make a difference in. Um, 20 cents goes into their um, save to spend account, meaning if they're saving up for a bike or eventually a car or something like that. And then 20 cents goes into their um, save to invest account. And from doing that, um, my twins started investing when they were about 10 years old. So 
right out of the gate. The sooner we can teach them, the sooner we build that foundation so it just becomes the norm and they're not having to learn new habits as young adults. Okay. So what is the first thing your kids invested in? Um, they actually invested, funny enough, in cryptocurrency oh, because that's what they were the most interested in. So it's for me, it, it was all about figuring out what they were interested in and then having them start to learn how to do the research and start to learn how to invest in that. Um, they also um, invested in and did some fix and flips with us where we actually took them to the job site and taught them how to do the numbers. We always say do the numbers, numbers tell you what to do. Mm -hmm. And um, just had them walk alongside of us the entire way so they could understand the entire process of, of really getting the difference between passive income and mm -hmm. like a job, which is trading time for money. And so as teenagers, they've had to get jobs because I, I think it's an important lesson for them to learn. And they are really interested more in passive income than they are trading those, those their time for money, for sure. <laughs> so can you explain a little bit about how to buy distressed debt from banks? Yeah, absolutely. So because I've been an investor for uh, well over 20 years, I have some really extraordinary relationships. And I always tell my kids is that it's not what you know, it's who you know. So the relationships that I have built with um, these, they're called special asset managers in banks. And so here's what happens. Banks are in the lending business. They are not in the real estate investing business. So what that means is that banks are set up to lend out money in the form of mortgages. And in banking terms, it's called a note. And so what happens is they lend out the money, the borrowers, pay their mortgage to the banks. Well, if at some point for whatever reason, say COVID hits or whatever, and people stop paying their mortgages, it's called a non-performing note. So um, the banks do not have the systems and structures and teams set up so that they can go and work with the borrowers to get the borrowers back on track. We are real estate investors and my company has the systems and structures and teams set up and in, in place to be able to rehab the borrower. We don't rehab the property, mm -hmm. we rehab the borrower so that the borrower can get back on track, stay in their homes, stay in their same job, keep their kids in the same school, stay in the communities, because that brings stability to our country and our economy. So our whole thing is that we leave every person, property, and community better than we found them. So we, when the banks have these non-performing notes, they are grateful for our company to come in and buy those notes from them because we get it off their books. That allows the banks to lend out more money. We have one investor per note. So our investor's money is fully backed and protected per note so that they're getting paid uh, a passive income consistently and predictably, the borrower is excited because they get to keep their home and stay in their home, which is what they want. And the community at large is happy because we're not dealing with having empty homes and foreclosures and everything else like that that goes on. So uh, it's just a part of a part of our economy as a whole and keeping our whole country going. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So what are the what is the basic value of the property you normally look at when you're looking for an investment property? 
Um, it ranges um, anywhere from 50,000, and we go all the way up to commercial, to um, tens of millions of dollars. So I have a whole commercial division to our uh, investment company as well. But on the residential side, because it's all the way across the country, again, the value of properties fluctuates dramatically from state to state. So it's, it's all based on uh, a 150 point criteria that our portfolios are run through and that's what it's based on. So we tell our team, do the numbers and the numbers tell you what to do. Now, is it easy to buy an Airbnb as, as opposed to buying a commercial building? Um, well, an Airbnb is essentially, it's a, a, a like a, a residence, right? So it'd be as easy as if you were to go out and buy a home. Um, I think the challenges that the that there that industry is seeing is dealing with HOAs, dealing mm -hmm. with now city ordinances. Um, there's just a whole set of uh, more complex issues that come along with doing vacation rentals than when there was a few years ago when it got started. So, what is the biggest challenge in finding these properties? Um, it comes down to it's not what you know, it's who you know. It's about having actual relationships with these particular um, special asset managers so that you're set up in those relationships for them to be able to um, send you their um, tapes is what they're called so that you, you and your team can analyze them. Again, it's not what you know, it's who you know. So what type of properties do you have in your in your portfolio? Um, we have all single-family residences. All of our notes are all single-family residences. And then on the commercial side, um, we do a lot of development for small businesses. But the the note side right now, it's just a, it's a whole lot of single-family homes and a whole lot of happy families that we got to rehab them and keep them in their homes. We have to take a short commercial break, but we'll be right back with more information on real estate. Stay tuned. Hello, this is Zanetta Rogers. Join me on Wednesday at 5 p.m. for my new podcast, Legacy Game Changers. Every Wednesday at 5 p.m., join me and we'll talk about finance, education and wealth building for you and your family to leave a legacy for your loved ones. Once again, that's Legacy Game Changers Wednesday at 5 p.m. And we're back. Thanks for holding on. And we have more information from Catherine. Okay, so what suggestions do you have for somebody who wants to get started investing in real estate? Um, so for me, it's all about self-education. Uh, that's where I started was I, re I read a lot of books. Um, I probably read about a book every week to two weeks. And so it would start there. So I would start with the basics. Some of my favorite to teach people are um, Jack Canfield's Success Principles. That's a really great book to start out with. And then from there, building the foundation of really understanding real estate. So I love Robert Kiyosaki's whole series of books. 
So he starts out with rich dad, poor dad, then cash flow quadrant. And then from there, there's all the different types of investing that he digs into with all of his entire series of books. I just think he does a good job of simplifying it and having people understand it at a basic level. Um, and then one of my other favorite books is uh, Profit First. Uh, I absolutely love, love, love that book. And then um, my other favorite books are, um, forgive me, I'm pulling it up, by George um, Anton. And it's his three books are uh, The Wealthy Code, The Banker's Code, and The Debt Millionaire. Those okay. three are all about learning how to be the bank. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to real estate investing, there's so many different roles you can play as a real estate investor. And I actually just got off a phone with um, one of the people that I coach and mentor. Um, I've got a whole coaching and mentoring program, but having him really dig into and look at what aspect of real estate investing he really likes. So for me, I when I was in buy and hold, I discovered I don't really like tenants and toilets. <laughs> then when I did about 500 fix and flips, I loved the before and after. That was totally fun for me. But again, you have to do it when the numbers make sense, right? Yeah. Um, then we did the a hedge fund, which I absolutely love. We have air, had Airbnbs. Again, discovered I don't like guests in toilets. That's <laughs> <laughs> not my personality. Um, I just like being the bank. And mm -hmm. what I learned about that was 20 years ago when I had my first real estate investor mentor, he actually said to me, he said, Catherine, there are several different roles you can play in any real estate investing transaction. You can be the buyer, the seller, the realtor, the bank, the contractor, subcontractor, title company accountant like which role do you like to play inside of that or so he said which role do you like to play but more importantly which role is the most secure right and so mm -hmm. the answer is which role is most secure well it's being the bank the bank is always the most secure position think about when we were kids when we played monopoly which, position, which one were you I was the banker. <laughs> exactly. Was because the bank always wins. Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. So it's exactly that way in life. The bank always wins. And so that's what I create as my company is that my investors essentially get to be the bank and they always win. It's fantastic. So that's so that's the thing I would say for people is figure out and give themselves permission to try all of the positions inside of a real estate investing transaction so they get to figure out what calls to them. Is it single family residences? Is it multi-unit? Is it residential? Is it commercial? Like try all of them and get a mentor that is doing it right now, today, in this market and making money today. Not somebody who did it 20 years ago. Stop doing that. And if you're going to get a mentor, then when you get a mentor, what I do is I always ask, one, are they making money today, right now, doing what they're about to teach me? 
or are they getting are they making their money from selling some course about it but they don't actually do it that's a problem for me um the second thing that i ask them is that i need to be able to talk to three people that they have mentored in the last six months that have added commas to their bank account as a direct result of that person's coaching and mentoring and if they if i can't talk to those three people then that automatically eliminates if I'm going to be mentored by that person. So that's okay. that's just me. That's how that's I choose mentors. Right. Now, this is, does your does your strategy change uh, based on whether it's a buyer or seller seller's market or buyer's market? Um, it does. It absolutely does. So you can make money in an up market or a down market. You just need to know what it is and which strategy you're going to use in the up or down market. And there's so many, which is why you need to read lots of books and get yourself educated inside of all the different strategies for real estate investing. So, um, do you have any projects that my, my audience may be able to invest in that you're doing? Yes, actually, I have several. I have several notes that um, we actually just acquired and we are currently have positions available for investors if they want to get paid consistently and be the bank. I know a lot of times being a life insurance agent, a lot of people now are selling, you know, life insurance and say you can be your own bank by having this life insurance policy. Are you saying that or are you just saying have enough money to you know in your possession to make these deals? Have enough money in your possession to make these deals. Yeah. Because there is licensing requirements. So it's not like just anybody can go out and do this. There's licensing, there's, you know, a whole bunch of legal laws because we need to keep the homeowners protected for sure. Right. And the projects that you have available, are they single family homes or um, what yep, type? They're, of all, they're all single family homes. Yep. And basically in what area? Just because I'm interested in so. <laughs> What area? We, yeah, we have them all across the country. And if you're if anybody's interested um they're more than welcome to uh i have a link that you can put in there they can schedule a call with me and then we're more than happy to have them sign an nda and then we can send that information out and uh, then they'll have all the information we do all the due diligence and include all of it so they can literally see everything real time great all right so what does leaving the legacy mean to you so for me, leaving a legacy, this is this is actually a really mm, this. <laughs> so as I said back in 2001, I married my husband and moved to the U.S. Um, in 2018, he actually passed away unexpectedly, and um, my twins were only 14. And when he when he died, I mean it was devastating for my twins and I. And it really brought up the whole point of legacy and what legacy are we actually leaving our kids? And so for me, it's, um, I tell my kids, listen, money is like oxygen. The more you have, the easier it is to breathe. And the more you have, the bigger the difference you can make in this world. So it's all about, yes, you can add commas. Yes, you can collapse timelines. Yes, you can make as much money as you want. But at the end of the day, I believe God has placed something on your heart, on each one of our hearts 
to make a difference in this world. And when we, it's up to us to spend the time to get quiet, to find out what is that, what is that thing that God has placed on our heart, the difference that we are here to make. So for me, I'm clear the difference. I grew up in foster care through multiple different homes. I wasn't adopted till I was 16. So I did not have a childhood, but I'm clear that my parents who adopted me, I am the woman I am today because of them. And I, um, I adopted my twins out of foster care and I started a nonprofit that's all about educating, inspiring and empowering people to adopt children out of foster care. And I believe it absolutely can be done in my lifetime. There's over 500,000 children in the U.S. foster care system. 350,000 are available for adoption today. It costs less than $1,000 to adopt these kids. And the bigger thing is the financial impact it will leave on this country is huge because it costs the country taxpayers billions of dollars to keep these kids in foster care. On the front end, on the back end, when these kids age out of foster care, it costs taxpayers billions more because statistically these kids up end up on drugs, prostitution, or incarcerated. And so now taxpayers are burdened with that as well. So if we lift off literally billions of dollars off the taxpayer, the bigger thing I'm super excited about is what if, what if 1% of those 350,000 children, that's 3,500 kids, grew up and got as inspired as I got to go out and truly make a difference in the world? What is the impact that would actually have in the world? So that to me is legacy that I feel like we are all called to figure out what it is and to go make that difference that we're here to make. And it is 100% our responsibility to make as much money as we can make so that we have the ability to go make that difference in the world. That is so great. Now, how can our audience get in touch with you? Um, you, I would say we can put my uh, LinkedIn link into the the description of the podcast, and they're more than welcome to contact me through there. All my contact information is there. Okay, great. Well, I really appreciate you being on my show. Is there anything else you want to tell the audience? Um, that what you are teaching inside of your podcast is absolutely critical. And this is a skill I feel like kids are never too young to learn. And even if adults didn't grow up learning about finances and numbers, truly it's it's their responsibility to learn it. And I love that you have this podcast available for people to learn all this from. I mean, this is a game changer for people. So thank you for what you do. Thank you. I appreciate it because I just want to get the word out. I, you know, grew up where I had to figure out everything on my own. So I just want to some stuff. To, right? You know, well, you know, yes, I figured it out. But, you know, sometimes you don't get lucky. You know, some people don't get right? lucky and figure it out. And I'm just trying yep. to help. Yep. So I love what you're doing. This is brilliant. Thank you. But this has been Legacy Game Changes. Um, if you need help with your finances, you know how to reach me, 443-906-3882, or you can email me at legacygamechanger at gmail.com. Have a blessed day.